You've got a good dating story, good, good, bad dating story sent in to start us off, I believe, Jessica McCarthy. Yeah, I do indeed. Oh, thank goodness it's not a good dating story. Those are so boring. boring. All we want to hear is the bad ones. Yeah, this is after we asked uh, yesterday for your best terrible first date stories because we had one of a guy who asked to split the bill the morning after the date despite insisting on the date that he would pay the full thing. Oi, oi, oi. So this one is from Christine. Thank you, Christine, for sending this in. So it's got about three red flags in it. Poor three Christine. zero swag flags, as I like to say these days. Is that what people say? Yeah, okay, interesting. I've heard so it, yeah. the first issue was that the first no swag flag was that uh, she couldn't recognise this person because oh. the dating pictures were not not up to date. So she already had to ask, "Hey, are you so and so?" Which, oh, I can imagine. Very awkward. Then the second one, unbelievably, he put his phone up, leant it against kind of the table that they were sitting at, and watched the state of origin results come through. <laughs> I which is not super I kind of engaging. What? I don't know. You're no. just like, <laughs> it sets expectations. <laughs> it's oh, yeah, it does. It sets expectations of walk oh, away. No. I rate it as a yarn. And then the third one, I mean, you can kind of guess this guy's chat is not of a high level, but his, his date question so was, do you have any hobbies? And Christine said that she tried to answer that question and then asked him, hey, do you have any hobbies? And he said, no, not really. Oh, no, he was obviously in the market Ooh. or something. He was doing some research on hobbies. I hope he dad. paid the full bill. Well, interesting you bring that up. Thank you very much. What a very smart segue from you. <laughs> we did get an interesting result on our poll. Uh, we asked who should pay or how you should pay at the end of the first date on the gram. And 69% said split it, but 31% said someone should pay the whole thing. 31 I think, is still quite a solid result for, for someone paying the whole thing. Yeah, that's right. So about a third of people still want you to pay the full thing. Oh, yeah, it's a cost of living crisis, people. We might have to split things. More on that on the show, because kia ora, this is Newsable. I'm Jess. And I'm Imogen, and this is what's worth talking about. It's side hustle season. Why tricky financial times might start a wave of new businesses. Sport washing's biggest success yet. Saudi Arabia is all but confirmed to host the 2034 Football World Cup. And somehow, I don't know how this has happened, but Turtle <laughs> Thursday is back for another spit. It's called manifesting, Jess. <laughs> and I am practicing it. We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz/support. So unemployment has increased by slightly more than the Reserve Bank expected, but the number of people in work is still historically quite high. Stats and Z figures for the last three months ended September show unemployment up to 3.9% from 3.6% of the June quarter. So what does that mean if you're one of the 600,000 people employed or running a small business? To talk us through what's going on, we're joined by James Fuller, the founder of Henry, a firm that specialises in tax support for small and medium firms. Kia ora, James. Thanks so much for joining us. Sure, Thanks, guys. Now, what are you hearing from the sorts of businesses that are finding it tough? So we we do, we do a lot of work with sole traders. And what was really interesting is when, when we talk to sole traders, um, their outlook for the coming quarter is actually really positive. Oh. So many are feeling positive following the election results. They're hopeful that a new government will be able to maybe reduce inflation and grow the economy. But they're, you know, whilst their financial outlook into the next quarter is actually the highest we've ever reported, they're not so favourable about the health of the economy. So actually, in our most recent Henry Sole Trader Pulse, where we sort of, it's an independently conducted survey, 70% of sole traders believe we're in a recession or that we will be within the next 12 months. 
So will the news that unemployment rising slightly but not dramatically be good or bad news? I think given the wider economic conditions, it's it's not bad news, but it's also not great news either. Um, I think that in a lot of industries, there's very much a wait and see attitude at the moment, not least with the sort of government forming up and early plans looking to formulate when the government comes into power. There's a lot of just just kind of waiting and sitting mm. on hands and just hoping that things are going to start to improve. So we've seen the job market stabilize a little bit since uh, maybe sort of nine, 12 months ago. But a lot of people, a lot of companies just aren't moving on hiring at the moment. And the Reserve Bank expects households will be spending about 18 percent of their income just paying interest, James. Like how does business survive when we already have to spend a fifth of our money just paying interest, not even on anything cool? Oh, it's it's really tough. Um, it's you know, 40, I think it's 47% of, of sole traders um, say they actually feel good about their financial security, which is great. But that's because over the last year or so, in line with the rising cost of living, we've had to see folks put up their prices um, to keep pace. And, you know, what we're looking at now is that small businesses, sole traders are not going to be able to raise their prices too much more before actually people say, you know what, that's that's a stretch too far. I think there was a level of understanding of needing to have prices increased for a period of time, but actually consumers are now are now pushing back. This is such a, a like, 50-50. It, it's so confusing, right? You say people have a positive outlook, even though financially it's maybe not looking so, so great. The Reserve Bank talked about pockets of stress. Are you seeing any specific areas or specific business spaces where people are seeing that extreme stress? I think a lot of it is actually, it's that personal stress, and, and it's specifically mortgage stress. And, you know, we talk about kind of interest of, of those things. In our sole trader pulse, I think it was 29% were already reporting they had, they were stressed about their mortgage. 73% were saving less or having to eat into their savings with interest rates uh, continuing to increase. And people start to fall back on some really dangerous habits, like dipping into their tax money to prop up their mortgage. And then even though 40% more businesses failed in September than a year earlier, you say the outlook from uh, your survey is quite positive. Do you reckon we're going to see more businesses being created then in this in these next few months? Because there's that, that inherent resilience in the market, people will always look to uh, how do I prop myself up? How do I make sure that I can make ends meet? And so whether that's you know using your skills in different ways, starting an independent business, taking on more work, as belts tighten, I think we'll see a lot of people doing that. The one challenge we do have is with an incoming government that has made it quite clear that they sort of made this sort of some ham-fisted comments around cutting contractor and consultant spend. There are a lot of people who are, you know, contractor workers inside government who are unsure of their futures because they've been wrapped up in this sort of, you know, political uh, hot potato, which was all about sort of stopping mm. massive global consultancies from from being on the take inside government. And just by virtue of saying contractors and consultants, you've got a whole bunch of you know, really key workers in government that are worried about their futures. Side hustle season. We've heard it here first. Everyone get involved. That's uh, James Fuller from Henry. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us. Thank you. And as James said, pay your taxes. It's had a wee hiatus, but is it cake is back. Once again, that little old thing called the Rugby World Cup meant we couldn't do it for the last two weeks. Ugh, that old thing. But it's back and it's time to play. Remind us how it works, Jess. 
All right, so Emmo, you are going to post a video to the gram that's Newsable NZ, and you're going to read out two headlines, and there'll be a poll. And you will have to pick, you the audience that is, you have to pick which one you think is real, because one of them will be fake. A cake of a headline, if you will. Well, get your poll results, and I'm going to read them out on the pod to Jess on Friday. She'll pick which one she thinks is real. It's fun, 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 fun. Make sure you get involved by heading to our Instagram, Newsable NZ. So Saudi Arabia is set to host the 2034 FIFA World Cup after Australia withdrew its interest in hosting the tournament. Despite receiving support from the Asian Football Confederation, Saudi Arabia is a controversial choice for the World Cup and has long been accused of using sporting events to distract from its dismal human rights record. Homosexuality is illegal in Saudi and it still carries out hundreds of state executions, although women's rights have undergone radical improvements in recent years. Joining us now to discuss this is Dr. Steve George Arkis. He's a leading researcher in the history and sociology of sport from the University of Sydney. Kia ora, Steve. Uh, thank you for having me and condolences there for the uh, rugby. <laughs> <laughs> Hang that on. was days ago, Steve. We've forgotten Look about at that it. Cheeky smile. <laughs> if I had known you were going to do that, we would not be having this discussion. No, I'm I've, I've got to switch from rugby mode to football, soccer mode. So, Steve, there's the golf, there's the America's Cup, and now this. Why do sporting bodies keep holding events in Saudi when they know the backlash they'll get? Well, you've missed the boxing, which took place last week, of where course, we had uh, sure. uh, Tyson Fury there with uh, some of the world's biggest uh, personalities out watching the uh, the boxing. Prince Mohammed bin Salman, uh, the, the prince there of Saudi Arabia, is interested in being a player. He wants uh, Saudi Arabia to be a player in, in world politics, in, in this globalised world. And, of course, one way of doing that is taking a stranglehold on international sport. And, and Saudi Arabia is doing that at a phenomenal rate. The hosting of the 2034 FIFA World Cup is another example and probably the biggest scalp so far. This is big news for international sport. I mean, FIFA got it in the neck for Qatar and the kind of human rights, rights abuses that went on there. And now they could give this to Saudi. What does that say about their commitment to human rights? Look, there's probably two ways of looking at this. Uh, there's no doubt that there are, there are human rights issues in, in, in the Middle East. And, and one way to address the human rights issues is bring the Middle Eastern countries into the tent of human right advocacy. And I think that's one example. And another way of looking at it is from a critical point of view, uh, to say that actually you're rewarding countries for having, you know, questionable human rights records. So there, there's two ways of looking at this. What we can't deny in 2023 is that the Saudis seem to have an, a limitless pool of oil money that they're very happy to use for international sport. So you can do two things here. You, you can take the money or you can uh, turn the money away. And of course, in this Western capitalist world, the sporting bodies are going to clearly take the money. I'm sure that the Saudis are going to try and modernise. There's obviously a few things that are off the table, uh, including the LGBTIQ rights and, and a few other things, but there'll be an attempt there 
for the Saudis to to come into the Western uh, fold in, in a more sustained manner. No doubt. Dr. Steve Georgiakis from the University of Sydney, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Kia ora, I'm Adam Blair. I played the great game of rugby league for the Storm, Tigers, Broncos and the Mighty Warriors. And I'm Goran Paladin, sports presenter and rugby league fanatic. I won a World Cup too. I played 51 tests for New Zealand. Yeah, he's a national treasure, people. Come on. Blairy and I, we're joining forces for a brand new rugby league podcast called League of Our Own. Each week we talk Kiwis across the NRL and of course everything was. All the big names, the big stories. And some of my own stories too. Well, if we can make them fit. We'll make time. Okay. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Debut ep dropping on Wednesday afternoon and every Wednesday after that. You can listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcasts. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. Mate, your, your stories are way too long, eh? Nah, we've got to take them on a journey. <laughs> oh, the journey. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> we've got another runaway turtle yarn for you after last week's one. Can you believe it? So remember, if you are enjoying these turtle yarns and you want to hear more, here's what you need to do. You need to chuck us a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform because who knows how many runaway turtle yarns we're going to come across. We're two from two these last two weeks. Can we do a third? Last Thursday, we brought you the tale of the turtle who was on the run for three years in Florida. And then we jokingly said, can we have turtle tail time every Thursday? Fertile Thursday, I believe we preemptively named it. We did. And would you believe Fertile Thursday is back? I have another turtle tail. <laughs> no way. Go on then. So, the one and only Nikki Wells. She really is Newsable's main character. Uh, Nikki sent me an email after that episode went out with her own turtle tail, which she's failed to inform me of until now. What? So this is new turtle news to you from your own mum? Yeah, Turtle Thursday breaking news. When Nikki Wells was eight, growing up in Wales, her and her mate were in the backyard hanging out when a turtle emerges from the compost heap. Okay. <laughs> with the name Henry <laughs> painted on its shell. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm assuming it's called Henry. Naturally, they're like... WTF, what's going on? So Nikki Wells and her mate went knocking on neighbours' doors to be like, yo, is anyone missing a turtle called Henry? No one said, I'm missing a turtle called Henry. So mum kept Henry for the summer. One day a lady knocks on the door and was like, I believe you've got Henry. He's mine. He's 30 years old. I've had him since I was a child. What? Turns out this woman had lived a block away, but had moved the previous November. Henry had been put in for hibernation at that point. Oh, so she just thought that she just left Henry in the box during the move. But when she opened the box a few months later, when it was time to be unhibernating, so to wake up Henry, right. Henry wasn't in the box, but she hadn't noticed that he'd done a runner. That's crazy. I've learned so much about turtle ownership. Firstly, you can just put them in a box for six months and not even think about them. That's awesome. <laughs> so Henry, he's escaped mid-moving house, found the cosiest place he could find, which I'm guessing is the compost heap, and going, yeah, this looks better than the box, which is bloody getting shaken around all the time. I think I'll just have a kip here. Well, I believe we can now all assume that turtles are just, what, serial fugitives that have no interest in staying where they're put. We're two for two on the AWOL turtles. That's a scientific study if I ever did see one. 
I reckon we're going to have another runaway turtle yarn next Thursday. I'm calling it now. Do not promise that no, to people. I, I, just, I can't believe we've got just, two. Just, I just reckon, okay? And you know what? I'm going to get this out of the way so that if anyone has a turtle yarn, they can get emailing ASAP. That is Newsable for today. I'm Imogen Wells. I'm Jess McCarthy. We're two from two. Turtle Thursday. Thank you so much for joining us. Newsable. News that's worth talking about. If you liked it and reckon it's also worth supporting, please make a contribution at stuff.co.nz support. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. I don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, I, rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tag to you about gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line there. No, that, I think Chris, that it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, yeah I'm not worried about it at all. That's Nothing if in there. That sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts.